Good evening. As we are again assembled on this occasion to worship our God and our Creator and pay homage to Him for what He has done as He, as he continues to bless us daily. This evening we're going to continue looking at this sermon about God is able as we began last week the first part of one called God is able to comfort us. And usually I ask Bobby if I want him to lead a song before the sermon to go with what I'm saying tonight. I didn't give him any one and he picked a perfect one. Thank you. <laughs> uh, in that respect, this, you will see as this one will go along with it. As we looked at last Sunday evening when we began this, that this earth is no stranger to tears. As we well know from the beginning of time and will be till the last day on this earth, this world which already has been filled with, will continue to be filled with sorrow, tears, heartaches, and heartbreaks that comes from the things going on in life every day. As we said last week, it's still true even this evening. There are there, there no doubt there are here this, those here this evening that are hurting, that are grieving over the loss of loved ones, are having some difficulty, a problem in life that they would love to see and seek the comfort of God during these times. We also remind ourselves that losses, as we call it, and crosses are a part of our daily lives. Something will go wrong just about every day we live on the face of this earth. And the good news is, as we began last week, God is able to comfort us. From 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. In that beginning of that second epistle, notice Paul, as he mentions this, puts in that extra word, the God of all comfort. Whatever we're needing our help in, wherever we're, need, we're crying out and saying, I need help through this, I need guidance to get through it, then we realize, as Paul said here, God is able to take care of it and handle any situation. So we'll look at our God, He's active. Our God is alive. Our God is alert to all of our needs. And we truly know for a fact that He is able to do far more than we can ever possibly imagine to take care of us when we need comfort in time of trouble and sorrow. In Psalm 34 and verse 8, there the psalmist simply says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. So again this evening, we want to, as we say, taste the good. We want to look how God is able to comfort us. How He's able to be there for us, be that shoulder we need when we're times of crying and tears. He is always there. If He gives us the sunshine, the rain every day, you know He's aware of our problems and capable of handling them. So yes, we should look and see the good of the God of heaven. We need to take time, sometime during the day, whether it's morning or throughout the day or even the evening, stop and say to the Lord God through prayer, thank you for what you have done for me on this day. The blessings given to us, the help He's given to us throughout the day, thank Him for it, for He is the one who's able to comfort all. So we need to look at it this evening and move forward with the next psalm. Last week we looked at Psalms 8. This evening we're going to look at Psalms one hundred. And 39, as we came looking at the fact of the God of comfort. This psalm is what we would call a very deeply 
personal psalm. Here David is pouring out his heart as he writes in these verses some of the most profound things ever heard from the lips of a mortal man, but at the same time words that encouraged him, and every time we read them encourage and strengthen us during these dark times. In fact, David expresses it correctly. In verse verse 6 when he says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's his way of saying, I cannot grasp it fully what God is able to do for me. If you stop and think about it for a moment, we are like David. Neither can we. Because when we look at all that God does for us every day, it is still true. Everything He does is still too wonderful for me to notice and observe. But we need to take the same care that David gathered was this, that God is able and tender care guides us daily with His hand through His Word to help us and encircle us and protect us as we walk each day on the face of the earth. In other words, as this psalm will tell us, from the womb to the tomb, He's there for us to comfort us, to guide us, and to help us. When we realize this, it ought to make us gasp at the fact of what great knowledge and what lofty thoughts that David was pouring out unto us when he says, God is present with us and God does care for us. Let's look at verses 1 through 6, which says simply this, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. These verses say something, when we get to thinking about it, sometimes we wished wasn't really true. And that's simply this. We have to acknowledge the fact that God knows us inside and out. Our hidden thoughts, our secret actions, our everything that we do is known by the God of heaven. Every aspect of what we do is searched, sifted, and examined in detail by the God of heaven. And notice he says, even our thoughts are known from afar. Put it this way, which simply means, long before we have a thought, God already knows it. Long before we have the thought, God already knows it. David is saying this, just as God knows what we need before we ask for it, He's implying unto us that God knows what we're thinking and what we're going to say before the thoughts enter our mind and before the words slip out of our lip. David is saying that foreknowledge is just too wonderful for me. He calls it, it is high because it comes from above. It is beyond all comprehension. But notice as he continues, he says, God is acquainted with all of my ways. That word acquainted means to willow or to sift 
thoroughly. To sift thoroughly. David is simply saying this, God goes to great pains to know everything about us. As we said, there's not a word that comes from our mouth that God is not aware of before we even speak it and hold us accountable for what we say. And when we think about it for a moment, if our friends and loved ones had that same intimate knowledge of us that God does, it would terrify us. It would terrify us. Why? We're living in a time and a generation of privacy. Put it in the language of everyday life, it ain't none of your business what I do inside my house. That's the attitude most people tend to take. It's none of your business. I, you don't need to know what's going on in my life. I don't want nobody spying on, on me. I don't want no one, you know, eavesdropping on us. We don't want no one to bother us whatsoever. It's not any of our business. And everyone can truly say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are secret regions in our hearts. This we're talking about this up here now, where we can where we house and store things, the unwholesome thoughts, the unwholesome deeds, the bitterness, the guilt, and we keep it there because why? We don't want nobody to know about it. Because still in the back of our mind we have this attitude. We have secret things and thoughts that we don't want you to know. And we at times tend to take the attitude is that we don't, we don't want nobody to intrude our lives or question us, much less we don't even want God to know what's going on in our lives. There may be times our lives where we're kind of like the writer of Psalms 30, Psalm 10 and verse 11 when he says, God has forgotten. He has hidden His face. He will never see it. The majority of the world would, would pray to their heart's content that that was true. They would, all, they would love to know that God doesn't know everything about us. That God doesn't know what I'm about to say. God doesn't know my thoughts. I don't tell anybody else. I don't want Him to know. But yet, how wrong we are. It, yes, it ought to be frightening to realize God has that all-seeing eye. And He knows every detail and every secret and every thought. It's in our minds even before it is formed. But yet, even though the psalmist brings this up and mentions this, and the fact that he knows that we have things or lives we want no one to know about, the psalmist still said through this that God's intimate knowledge of us, he says, is not a threat. But it is to protect and to reassure us as His children. The word Him in verse 5 means to besiege. In other words, God's presence in our life is like an army that circles a city. The psalmist then he says, I envision God aggressively encircling His people, not to harass them, not to be intrusive, but to protect and to care. And how do we know that is true? Of the words found when he says, He lays His hand upon me. 
We understand that. When we are hurting, when we are crying, we love that reassuring hold on our shoulder from someone who grasps it and may not even say anything. Just that lets us know, I understand and I care. Is that not what fathers do to a child when they're hurting or afraid? Is put that reassuring arm to let them know, I'm here. That's exactly what God is doing to us. He besieges us and surrounds us not to harass, not to intrude, but to be there to protect and to care. This detailed knowledge that the psalmist is writing about shows us just how much God cares for us. And it is still, as David says, it is still too wonderful for me. It's hard for me to grasp this. But it is still true. But haven't there been times though when we've been sitting around with friends or family and we're talking to one another and they let us in on an intimate part of their life, something going on in their lives they want to talk about. A lot of people's reaction is to this, you know, in your mind, you may not say it outwardly, but in your mind you're saying, you know what, I really am not that impressed or do I really care? Because we just don't want to know it. Because the back of our mind, our attitude is, well, you ain't heard my problems yet. Mine's worse than yours. So our attitude is, it's not that I don't care, we just don't care that much. But you see, David says, God's not like us. Not one bit. Not like us at all. There's nothing about our lives that God does not want to know about because He cares that much. He wants to know. And He wants to help. Look at verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? That statement, where shall I flee from your presence... The psalm is not suggesting in one way or another that he's trying to run away from God. He questions, his questions are asking or to show that there's nowhere man can go that God's not already there. This comforts us, and it ought to comfort us, and showing how much God cares about us and how much measure of comfort He wants to give unto us when it's needing, that no matter where we go in life, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves, no matter how the problem may be, how hard the trials are, God is there to help us. And in verse 10, one phrase makes it abundantly clear. Even there, in that moment of difficulty, your hand shall lead me. Your hand shall lead me. Letting us know His hand is already there, ready for us to take hold and says, help me and walk me through this time. God knows, not only knows everything, but He's everywhere to help us. Look at verses 8 through 10. If I send to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you 
are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Whether we are in the heavens above, whether we're in the deepest part of the sea, and even to the grave itself, David says, God is there. And if the expression wings the morning, if we could apply that for a moment to the speed of light. In other words, if we could move at the speed of light, we cannot outrun God. We can't outrun Him. No one can submerge to the depths of the ocean and be beyond the reach of God. No one can go out beyond this atmosphere into the heavens above and get away from the presence of God. David says, no matter where I am, you were there. To those who spend their life as piloting jet airplanes, to those who have been astronauts who have flown into space, and to those sailors who live on submarines in the depths of the ocean, to them it is a comfort to know whether there, here, or below, God is always with them. He is always with them. His hand will always be there to guide, to hold on to in a time of help and need. Look at 11 and 12. If I say, sure, the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. What is he talking about? Daylight and dark? Physical? No. The psalmist is talking about those dark times we have in our life. There are going to be days when it's going to be dark. Not because the sun's behind the cloud. It's because the problems we're having in life make it a dark day for us. And there is no escaping these troubles and trials, these dark times of life. But when they come, David is writing to assure us as he knew, God will see us through the darkness. Remember? He created light for the benefit of His, of his creation. He created light for us. That's why David would say again in Psalm 23 that we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Why? Because our God, our shepherd, is there to guide us, to comfort us, and He can see through the shadows and He knows the best way to take us through these things and these difficulties in life. Hold to His hand. That old song says, and He will guide us through it. But most profound that He wants to discuss about God's comfort and God's care begins with some of the most awesome verses found in the Word of God, beginning with verse 13. For you formed me, in my in, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. 
in your book was written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet they were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! For if I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. I am still with you. David just simply said this, God knows us from the womb to the tomb. And David is still right. Back in verse 6. How can I grasp all of this? It is too wonderful for me. Too wonderful for me. But notice as he describes himself and describes all of us from the moment of conception. David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The eyes of the Lord were upon him when his substance was not perfect, or we would say complete, in his mother's womb. From the day of conception unto the day he came out of his mother's womb and cried and was on his own, God says, David, I know you. I know you. I know all about you. And he makes a very sober statement when he says, our days were numbered or counted while we were still in the womb. We're not living separate and apart from mother yet. But David says our days were already counted while we were still there. Our physical nature was being designed for the moment of conception and it was fashioned through that nine months of continuance. And he says, God observed it all. Every moment of it. We'll never be able to fully comprehend the greatness of God. We'll never be able to fully grasp everything that we can read about Him. Even as we read the Word of God over and over again, we still learn, we still phantom, we still look, and we still still like David. These things are still too wonderful for me. And grasp it all. But David's not through. Look at the last of verse 18. I awake. And I am still with you. God knowed me from the time I was conceived, David says. And the day I die, I will awake on the other side and know I am still with you. That God had seen me through all of the things I have faced in life. The ups and the downs. And He says, when it's over and I breathe my last, my God is still with me. That is too wonderful, isn't it? And it still emphasizes the fact that we are what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. And it also teaches us something else. Life 
begins at conception. Not when we start breathing on our own apart from my mother's. David made that very clear. We conclude by looking at Psalms 34. We'll look at verses 15 through 18. Where there the psalmist says, For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears toward their cry. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Notice, there is comfort, is there not, in these words as well? Knowing as he says, the comfort is, the eyes of the Lord are upon me. Are upon me. God is watching us. Not only is God watching us, He is knowledgeable of every specter of our lives, including the good times and the times of pain and sorrow. But not only is His eyes open to us, as the psalmist says, His ears are open to the prayers of His righteous children. His ears are open. We cry, He hears. As James says, the prayer of a righteous man avails much in the 21st century. That is still true. But the most comforting thought in that verse of Psalm 34 is this. That Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Near to the brokenhearted. As we said last week as we began and we said again this evening, there may be there's the, here... Some here this evening who are broken hearted, who are hurting, who are having pain and sorrow. We know that there is no doubt in our heart and mind that darkness and sadness will overshadow every one of us more than once in our lifetime. But here's our comfort. Here's our assurance. Not only from this Psalm 34, but also from 139. Where we're standing, whether we're standing by a hospital bed or near an open grave, then when our hearts are breaking, we know that the hand of God is reaching down to help us, to care for us, to comfort us. When no one else is around, Always remember this. There is one who will always always be near. There is one that will always hear our cries. There is one who will always hold our hand. It is the one who made us fearfully and wonderfully. It is the God of heaven. True, we need to taste and we need to see that the Lord God of heaven is good. This evening, as you look at your life on this day and occasion, is there sadness? Is there heartache? The God of heaven has just promised you He'll take care of it. He'll help you through those times. He'll surround you. He'll protect you. He'll care and guide you. But especially this evening, if you're not a child of God, 
He's the God of comfort. In fact, He will comfort you in the fact that He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll wash that past old man of sin away and have you rise up to walk a new life. If you come this evening asking to want to become one of His precious children, God will comfort you. And from this day forward, when you cry, He will hear. He will help. And He will guide. But this evening, if you're a child of God who strayed from that, this wonderful truth, when you look around and realizing the problems you're having in life, you brought upon yourself because of sin, and you also realize you can't find God's hand to help because you're not walking with Him. Again, while you have the time and while you have the opportunity, come home to God. The God of comfort says, I will forgive you when you ask of me and remember it no more. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you to move forward from this day. Think on that while together we stand and while we sing.